Want to know how to succeed in business? Today's guest, Steve Strauss, shares the smartest ways to get you there. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Steve Strauss is often called the most popular business columnist in America, and it's no wonder. He's the senior USA Today small business columnist and a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, ABC News, Yahoo, and many other outlets. Steve's a best-selling author of 17 books, including The Small Business Bible, and he's a recovering lawyer, something I can definitely identify with, who regularly speaks around the country and around the world about entrepreneurship and global trends in business. Steve is also often asked to be the small business spokesperson for well-known companies like Microsoft, Bank of America, Dun & Bradstreet, and Staples, just to mention a few. He's the editor-in-chief of Small Business Connection and sits on the board of the World Entrepreneurship Forum and the National Advisory Board of SCORE and P&G Pro. Whether it's blogs, videos, live streams, ebooks, or what have you, his company, the Strauss Group, can do it for you. They create cutting-edge business content for everyone from Fortune 50 companies to small chambers of commerce. I am so jazzed to have this business rock star with us here today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Steve. Oh, Hannah, great to be here, and I am jazzed to be with you today. Thanks so much. Steve, you have a remarkable career, remarkable for its depth and breadth. Tell me, how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? You know, that's a great question. Um, so I grew up, and I think like a lot of small business people, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in a small business family. I don't know if that's true for you, but for a lot of people, I mean, it does tend to run in the family. Um, my dad started out with a single carpet store and. Southern California and grew it at the time to be the biggest chain of carpet stores in LA. And I, <laughs> I remember this, in fact, so uh, not to date myself too much, but you know, back in the 60s when I was in elementary school, um, I was given the assignment to write a story about what my dad did for a living. And it wasn't like he was a doctor or a lawyer. I couldn't really explain it that way. So I said, well, you know, Dad, what, what do I say? What do, what do you do? I didn't understand retail carpet store owner. He said, oh, well, CD, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm like, you know, it wasn't a popular term then as it is today. And I said, entrepreneur, oh, what? He said, oh, that's, you know, it's a person willing to take a risk with money to make money. A person willing to take a risk with money to make money. I loved that idea. And it, uh, you know, obviously stuck. And so throughout my early, you know, career, the idea was always in the back of my head that I would start my own business. Um, Went off to college and I tried, you know, a little business there, got kind of middling successful. Um, went on to law school, right, like you. And um, what I found was I really did not fit very well as an employee. I was not a good employee. I 
didn't like taking direction and didn't really like the partners I was working with very much. Um, and eventually I ended up starting my own law practice. And what I found even about my own law practice was I liked the business part of it more than the law part of it. I liked finding, finding clients. So I was just fortunate enough to realize what I loved fairly early in my career and, and then get to do it with uh, USA Today when they hired me to be their small business and entrepreneurship columnist. That's interesting, Steve. You started down a traditional path, going to college, going to law school. Was there some defining moment or fork in the road that suddenly made you realize that you wanted to take a different path? (laughs) Yeah, there sure was. It was really early in my first year as a grunt lawyer in a big firm, and I had this partner, and she was really a challenging person. Um, and I would have to say it was almost the first assignment she ever gave me. I went into her office and she had these two giant boxes full of thousands of sheets of paper. I mean, each one to the brim full of single sheets of paper. So how many pieces of paper was that? And she, she looked at me and said, take those boxes. Uh, these are X files from a, from a client we took over and everything got mixed together. I want you to go through all the paperwork, create a chronology of what happened when, uh, tell me who the major player players are. Cross index everything, um, and have it all filed so I can find the right paper with the index with the person. So this is a month long project, something like that, right? So okay, when do you want it? Day after tomorrow. What? So you know, I, I'm a first year attorney. So I go home. I tell him, you know, we have a baby at home. Oh, I can't tell my wife. I can't see you for two days and. I work 18 hours a day for two days, and I come in two days later disheveled and tired, and I hand her this terrible piece of work, right? Because, like, what can I get done? Just, you know, I'm trying to figure – I couldn't even figure out who was who in that amount of time with so much paperwork. And I said, this really is going to take a lot longer. And she looked at me. She said, oh, I know. I was just testing you. Oh, my God. And so I thought, no, this, is, this isn't going to work. And I bumped into a – colleague in the hall after I stumbled out of her office and I told her the story and she said, well, this is probably going to be the biggest challenge of your legal career, Steve, working with this woman. And I said, well, what if I'm not ready for the biggest challenge of my legal career six months after law school? So, you know, I just realized very early on I was not meant to work for someone else um, and I was meant to work for myself. So that, that was the defining moment. I was gone within two years after that. Oh my gosh, I can so picture that scene in a partner's office. It is no wonder you made that decision. Yeah. She probably had you when she said cross-index all of this. Yeah, right. (laughs) It really says a lot about the culture of an organization to do something like that, and you're so fortunate you found out early. Hannah, do do you practice law still? At this point in my career, Steve, my focus is on education, not the traditional practice of law. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen it in the course of your working with clients that all too often business people just don't know what they don't know about law. Yeah. And when something bad happens, they end up paying the price because they didn't know. And it's, for some businesses, it can be crippling. It gets very expensive, and they end up building their lawyer's business instead of their own. Mm-hmm. I know that you're involved with the National Advisory Board for SCORE, and another thing I've been involved with is SCORE on the local level. And working with the entrepreneurs in the area, that's been very rewarding. Nice. But going back to the earlier situation you described with that partner at the law firm, it's really a shame that some 
people feel the need to do that type of thing, to test their employees in a way that is just so counterproductive. Yeah, and why would I ever want to be a partner with this person? I mean, I, right, that's what you're supposed to do in the firm, work your way up and become partners. I thought, why would I ever want to be your partner? You know? Exactly. I've never really understood the business model of, let's see, let me kill myself for 18, 20 hours a day so that I could be a partner with someone that if I was starting a business from scratch, I wouldn't be picking as a partner. <laughs> And think about the entrepreneurs that we get to work with. It's just, it's the complete opposite. What I love about working with entrepreneurs and small business people is their their passion, our passion for our business, right? Our business is like our second or third or fourth child or only child, whatever it is. We love our businesses. We love, for the most part, yeah, it's hard work and, and it's exhausting all those things. But, you know, the, the passion behind entrepreneurship and small business for me, is so exciting, and to help people figure out how to start and run and grow their business and take it to the next level and scale it up is is really fun, and it's the opposite of what it was when I was, uh, you know, in my previous profession. Great. Let's focus on that a little bit. In your experience, what separates entrepreneurs from other types of business owners? Well, one is entrepreneurs are a different breed like so in my book the small business bible the very first chapter i have a it's called i think it's called you know are you an entrepreneur if it's not called that that's the essence of the chapter and i give a quiz a 20 point quiz because look we all get ideas for businesses i can't think of anyone i've ever met who didn't have an idea at some point in their life for a business they want to start now not but the thing is not everyone is an entrepreneur not it's not everyone's not cut out for uh, leaving their job and leaving their steady paycheck and leaving their benefits and going off on their own and being creative and hardworking and uh, you know marketing and doing all the different things you need to do to be an entrepreneur and to run your own business. So I, I think the first thing is you have to really assess whether entrepreneurship is right for you before you go down that path because it's just not the same as being an employee. They're fundamentally two different skill sets. So my, my first handy-dandy quiz I offer to people is this. If you know, Think about leaving your job uh, with its security and its benefits and its uh, paycheck and uh, structure. And if the thought of leaving that job gets you more excited than it does nervous, then you're probably an entrepreneur. But if it makes you more nervous than excited, then maybe entrepreneurship is, is not for you. So as my dear old dad said, you know, it is a risk to start a business. So the biggest difference to answer your question between an entrepreneur and other kind of careers and work is is the risk involved and your risk tolerance. So you have to be fairly risk tolerant and even then you need to be able to de- live without structure and you need your family for sure behind you. Uh, you need to have a skill set that you can that's transferable that you can apply to your business um, and you have to be willing to learn and grow and change and and work hard. So it, it's not an easy path for a lot of people, but it is very satisfying when you figure it out and get to do it right. Well, it would seem that this skill set could also be of tremendous benefit to large organizations. Why is it that big companies aren't doing more of it? What's stopping them? Well, I think you know the best big businesses definitely apply, try and find those people within their organizations. It's often called as you well know, intrapreneurship, where you're you know, within the organization trying to be entrepreneurial. It's a little harder for a big organization because I think one of the hallmarks of, of entrepreneurship is being nimble and quick and small and pivoting quickly and 
that's just harder for a bigger organization to do. But if you look at uh, some of these Silicon Valley startups, if you ever watch these these um, shows about them, you know, profiling Google or what it's like to work at, work at Facebook, boy, they sure look like they're fun and interesting and creative places to work. And I do think that some of these forward-thinking companies definitely try and foster that. But most big businesses just want someone to fit in to be a cog in the wheel. And if you can do that, uh, and we all have, you know, look, I can't be an employee, but we all need employees. So whoever is the employee, God bless them because they fill a role that we can't fill. We're just fundamentally different types of people and types of workers. So, um, you know, if you if you work, I have a best friend, a um, good pal of mine, and he would never want to start his own business. He loves being the manager of the furniture store, and he's great at that, and the entrepreneur needs him to manage the furniture store. Um, but most most organizations just aren't geared up and maybe not even interested in the creativity and almost disruption, to use a popular term, that an entrepreneur can bring to the party. Steve, you're a prolific writer, and I love your work. Thank you. One of the many books that you've written is The Small Business Bible. It's a bestseller, and it's now in its third edition. What inspired you to write it? Well, after um, I had started writing my column for USA Today uh, for a little while, I had this idea for a book, and um, I called it The Small Business Bible. Up until that point, I had just written a few legal guides uh, for the layman. And I was getting more and more into the entrepreneurial and small business world. That's really what I wanted to focus on. So I had a literary agent, and I told her, Let's, well, I love this idea, Small Business Bible. And she said, oh, that's great, Steve. You should write a proposal. So I wrote a book proposal, which is about 15 pages long, and explained what the book would be. And I gave it to my agent, and she couldn't sell it. <laughs> Come on. How can you not sell that book with that title? And this is really at a time when... Bible, quote-unquote, books were very popular, the vitamin Bible and you know all, all sorts of these kinds of things were out there. But she couldn't sell it. So, oh, well, so it sat on my shelf. It sat in my computer for a couple of years. Uh, two years later, which is now you know, 2004 or so, uh, I got an email from an editor out of the blue at uh, John Wiley & Sons, and it said, hey, Steve, we're thinking of doing a book called <laughs> The Small Business Bible. And we think you'd be the right guy to write it. And if you're interested, could you, you know, create a proposal? So I wrote him back. I said, well, give me about eight seconds, and I'll have that proposal ready for you, you know. So I dug through my computer. I found my proposal. I sent it off to him. Um, and I wrote the Small Business Bible, uh, the first edition. Back then, you know, my hot tip was, you know, you better get a website. <laughs> that was in 2004 and 2005, the the hot website. Of course, today, the last edition came out a few years ago, and it's all about social media. The business changes rapidly. Uh, Small business changes a lot, as you will know, and, um, you know, the book book has been changing to keep up with the times. I love the Small Business Bible. It's my uh, fourth child, and, you know, uh, as I said, the third edition came out um, a couple years ago, and... uh, the only reason it came out was my publisher came to me and said, hey, Steve, the book keeps selling. Do you have anything new to say? And the previous edition I had done before that, which was about 2009 or so, the only social media site I even mentioned was um, MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just you know, 70 years ago. 
And I said, well, yeah, I think, you know, the world has changed, the small business world has changed, and we need a whole new series of chapters on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and, and, and everything else. So um, that's what the last edition of the book dealt with quite a bit was, you know, how do you use social media? How do you use social media for your business? How do you make it work? And I think that's a thing that small business people struggle with even still. Things are constantly changing. That is so true. But there are so many moving parts to business as it is, and that makes it so easy to get distracted with the latest app, the newest networking group or social media platform, or even those promises for overnight success. In your experience, what are the three or four things that an entrepreneur needs to succeed in business, the things that are enduring? Well, the first, I would say, is that you... um you need to have uh, your X factor. You need to know what it is about you uh, or your business that is unique and different and special because there is simply so much competition out there. Uh, there are 30 million businesses in the United States, 30 million businesses, and 99% of those are a small business. And the vast <coughs> excuse me, the vast majority of those even are one-person businesses, the micro-business. I and mean, that's why I have a website called The Self-Employed, right? Because we realize there is a big market of self-employed micro-businesses out there. But if you're going to stand out in that sea of all those businesses, you need to give people a hook to hang your hat on. Why are they going to remember you? How are they going to remember you? So you have to have an X factor. And then you need to, second thing, you know, create a brand around that X factor, whatever it is that you do that is unique and different and special, you need to really focus on that in your marketing, which I'll get here to in a second, and let people know that this is what you do. So are you the affordable lawyer, or are you the sedation dentist, or are you the green grocer? Um, you know, are you the chiropractor that, that heals necks? Whatever it is, your little unique niche really needs to be something that you I think, uh, brand around. And then third and finally, maybe even most importantly, you need to market your business and then you need to market it some more and then you need to market it <laughs> some more. I mean, you have to just constantly be marketing in all its different forms, whether that's live marketing, which is going to networking events, right? I just saw a study that said most small business people really like doing live networking more the most for marketing. And which surprised me because we hear so much about social networking these days, but live networking works. Social networking works. Putting an ad on, on a, you know, a, a website works. Whatever you do, uh, you need to do it. And that is because there, you need to constantly be creating new business. There's three kinds of customers, new customers, existing customers, and leaving customers, and what customers leave for all sorts of reasons. Maybe they got mad at you or maybe they moved away or maybe they found something cheaper or whatever the reason is. you got to constantly be filling up the tank with new customers. And the only way you can do that is by having a specific brand, letting people know what your X factor is, and then marketing your business around it. I think if you do those things, then the likelihood of you sticking around for the long haul is much higher. Nice. That's great advice. Now, if someone listening today were interested in starting a business, what would be your recommendation between recommending they started from scratch versus buying an existing business that's already up and running? 
Well, it depends on uh, if you. Well, buying an existing business is kind of a great thing if you can do it, uh, and if you can find the right business. Uh, it's certainly going to be more expensive in all likelihood because you are buying the physical. Well, if it's a physical business, you're buying you know the, the business. Uh, you're buying all the business assets. You're buying the goodwill, which is the customer list, essentially the goodwill, the good, the good name of the business and the community. Um, and you know other assorted things. So it's not inexpensive often, but one of the great things about it is you can actually reduce the risk that I've been talking about a great degree by buying an existing business because a, an existing business has a track record. And if you get some um, certified accounting done on the on the books of the business, you should have a very good idea how much it's made the last few years and what it has in the bank and how much it's expected to make next year or the year after and do some projections. And so uh, you'll know much better what you're getting into if you're buying an existing business. And that's pretty great. It'll be a little less creativity. You could name it what you want. I mean, you're buying the name of the business, among other things. Um, and you're not going to be able to put it where you want because it's going to be a business. But th there is less risk involved. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur's entrepreneur, you're going to want to start something from scratch. And that's really fun. And you get to come up with the name of the business and the URL and uh, you know, figure out how you're going to find customers. It's a lot more work, probably. It is definitely more work, and there's more risk involved, but there's also, also probably a higher upside. Uh, I do think there are really kind of two businesses people start when they start from scratch. It could be, one, a business where you just love doing something, and you want to do that business every day. I talk about this in the Small Business Bible. So you want to you're, you love you love gardening, and so you want to create a become a florist or something, or a garden center, something like that. You know, you love something, you want to create a job or a business around that thing you love. The other is the person who gets the big idea um, and just wants to create a business because they want to implement this big idea, the the, the typical the, the gold standard idea for you know plant, person who did that is maybe Jeff Bezos who came up with the idea of Amazon.com. He wasn't really in the biz interested in becoming an online bookseller, which is how Amazon started, as we all know, but he had this idea for selling books and then obviously everything else eventually online, and so he created a business for that. So you can follow your passion or you can just you know, be passionate about what you do, uh, or you can buy a business. I guess those are the three ways to do it. Do you have a favorite? I'm not sure I have a favorite. Either path has its advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it depends on how much work you're willing to put in and what's going to make you happy. What's your take on franchises? Is there a secret to franchise success? So franchises are great if you find the right franchise because not all franchises are, are created equal. Uh, some franchisors are and our friend, so just to get the nomenclature down, we're all on the same page. The franchisor is the one who offers the franchise for sale, and the franchisee is the, the person who buys it and implements the plan. So they're not all franchisors are created equal. Some are really great, and they're going to give you a lot of help, and they've created a great business. Uh, and that's, a, that's typically how a good franchisor works, right? Somebody creates a business, and they say, oh, we had this down to such a science in such a system that we that anyone could step in and do what we do and get the same results. I mean, look at McDonald's. McDonald's has run 
by teenagers for the most part. How how incredible is that? They've got that business down to such a science that they hire these inexpensive kids to run this multi-billion dollar and million dollar location. And, you know, it's like a money machine. But you have to have a great product. You have to have a great business. It has to come down to a great system. Um, and then you have to find a franchisor who's going to give you a lot of support. Uh, some franchisors there are unscrupulous franchisors who all they want is your franchise fee. They just want you to buy into the system, and then you know, good luck, Charlie. And that's not what you want. So you really have to do when you're going to buy a franchise. I like it. It's again going to be kind of like buying a business. It's going you're going to have less creativity. You're going to have less input. You're going to have to do things the way the franchisor tells you to do them as the franchisee. Um, but the good news is, if you do what they do, you should get the results. They got it. So you have to really make sure that you've talked to other franchisees and you can do this when you get the uniform franchise circular, uh, when, when you really get deep into the, into the process. Um, but you want to just make sure that other people have had success, that this franchisor hasn't been sued a lot because a lot of them do get sued. Fran- you want to see if the franchisees are happy in the system. But if you do your due diligence and find a good system, franchising is really a good way to... Have it be less risky and yet, nevertheless, work for yourself, which is what we entrepreneurs love to do. Those are some great points, Steve, because it's important to recognize that not all franchises are created equal. Yeah. So regardless of which path you ultimately choose, whether you build a business from scratch, buy a going concern, an existing business, or take the franchise route, it's important that you create and build something that matters to you, that fits your lifestyle and your overall goals so that you can excel at it. Exactly. Now, one thing that happens when businesses get successful, they grow, they get bigger, and they need to scale. Steve, you've been involved in a number of businesses. What are some of the biggest challenges entrepreneurs face when it comes to scaling a business? Well, I think the biggest one is, uh, you know, entrepreneurs have all sorts of different um, attributes. They're, as I've mentioned, hardworking and creative and uh, innovative. And I think on the downside, they tend to be controlling. And they like to do things themselves. And if they didn't like to do things themselves, they wouldn't be starting their own business because they think they can do it better. They want to do it. They want to have a boss telling them what to do, whatever the case may be. So for many entrepreneurs, the biggest challenge is just learning how to let go. Because if you're going to scale, if you're going to create a bigger business than yourself, uh, which is really how you begin to make money in business, you're going to have to have people do the things that you start out doing yourself. And you're going to teach them how to do it and then trust that they can do it. So that, just that level of trust and letting go and becoming a manager to some extent is, I think, a big challenge for a lot of small business people, for a lot of entrepreneurs. And then you have to figure out how you can affordably bring in the talent you need because it's not inexpensive to hire an employee and you're going to have to pay for uh, you know, taxes and insurance and if you're smart, a benefits package and things like that. So... Maybe you want to start out with a part-time employee or maybe you want to start out with hiring some contractors or bringing in some interns. Those things will actually allow you, one, to give up the reins a little bit, two, learn how to become a better entrepreneur and manager, and and three, grow your business enough to the point where you can then start to bring in full-time help because that's really where, where the magic happens. Or... You know, you go out and get some angel or VC, not VC funding, but some angel funding. You get some money and then you bring in help that way. But it's a matter of letting go and then 
teaching people what they need to know to run the business the way you want them to run it. Yeah, clearly people are key. And if you build your people, they'll help you build your business. Yes, exactly. At the beginning of the program, I mentioned how you've had a remarkable career, Steve. You've achieved a tremendous amount. And while you may have had your forks in the road and those defining moments that have made you choose one road or one path over another, I wonder what has inspired you on your journey, the things that have been positive influences. Can you share one of those influencers with us? Um, sure. Well, I've mentioned my dad earlier. Certainly my dad was a big influence on me in the entrepreneurship world. But if I would say anyone, uh, it was a gentleman by the, who I never met, um, by the name of Buckminster Fuller. Buckminster Fuller was really quite a remarkable person. If you ever see those geodesic domes around the world, either at a playground or as a house or as a structure, or, uh, Epcot Center down in Florida is a geodesic dome. Many Buckminster Fuller created that. He's a really who was an incredible person, a, a um, passionate, innovative, uh, idealistic guy who really tried to make the world better. For as many people, as, you know, he had this idea of doing more with less is a Buckminster Fuller idea, and uh, doing it in a green and sustainable way really began as a Buckminster Fuller idea. And what I love about entrepreneurship, among many other things, is I think there is a certain idealism involved. I mean, if you're going to leave a job and leave a business, and, you know, and a paycheck and all these things, and start a start off something on your own, whether you whether it's a franchise or you buy a business or you start a business, you know, you have to be a little kooky uh, and somewhat idealistic. To do that, and so you know, I love that part of entrepreneur—the idealism that you're going to make a difference. I mean, so many people don't go into business to make money. Sure, they want to make money, but they really want to make a difference. And Bucky really wanted to make a difference. So that idea that you can make a difference as you do your work—you know—always has inspired me. And I hope people do that in their job because that's what makes the world a better place. Making the world a better place is a terrific goal, and I think something we all aspire to regardless what role we're in. And that's what it's all about, being able to help somebody with your goods or services to make their life a little bit better, a little bit easier, and create something more than what was there before. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so ironic that when you see the results from these employee engagement surveys that are being taken, the biggest reason employees are not engaged with their current employers is because they feel they don't make a difference. How ironic is that? Exactly. Right. If you're going to have a, a small, even a small business, you have three or four or five employees, you have to keep people engaged. You have to find out what what excites them and makes them interested, and then you have to figure out ways that you're going to support them in that. And if you, if you take care of your people, your people will take care of you. Exactly. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, and I was wondering if there are any parting thoughts that you have for our listeners today, Steve. Well, I would say, you know, good for you if you have a business. You know, uh, it's not always easy. We all know that there's lots of help available, and I would say make sure – and if you're starting a business, too, there's lots of help available. Available. When I first started my own business, it, it was a lot harder. You really were out there. I was really out there on my own. But now, whether it's listening to radio shows like yours or going to a website like mine and write the self-employed or even SCORE. SCORE is an amazing organization, SCORE.org. You can get free confidential counseling on, on almost any business issue you have either it live or via the website, uh, the SBA. There's lots of help available to help you succeed in your, in your small business journey. So while you might feel alone and lonely and it's hard to do on your own, it's true, 
go out and, and seek seek out some help because there are a lot of people who want to help you succeed as an entrepreneur and um, we love doing it. If I'm one of those people, you know, I will say we love doing it. That is so true, Steve. There are so many fabulous resources such as yours, the books, the columns, all the information that you have available on the web and People don't need to feel like they're alone. That's one reason why I do this program, in order to provide people with shortcuts from experts who've been there, done that, have made the mistakes for you, can help you navigate around them. This has been terrific, Steve. Thank you so much for sharing part of your day with us. I appreciate your time, love your tips, and of course, we're going to have your contact information on our episode page at businessconfidentialradio.com for listeners who want to get in touch, would like more information. And of course, we're going to have the link to that amazing book, The Small Business Bible, everything you need to know to succeed in your small business. And we all want more business success. So thank you so much for being on Business Confidential Now. Oh, thanks so much, Hannah, and keep up the great work. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential Now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com, and connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.